we're in the series, as you know, called Foundations. And one of the foundations of not just the church, but our own lives is called to be missions, how, how we evangelize the world. And um, this church is very committed to missions. Um, it's actually something that we don't actually talk a lot about, so we want to give a whole Sunday to it. But you plant a church. Many of you don't know this, but we've been a part of 80-some church plants just this year alone through ARC. Uh, every time you give, we as a church tithe, and we tithe back to a church planting organization, and that church organization plants um, over $7 million between all of ARC was given this year um, to plant churches all over this country. Um, and so we believe in that kind of mission, planting churches, but we also believe in the global mission, sending people into all the ends of the earth, like the scripture says. And um, what was really cool is you saw this summer that we had a batch of young people, teenagers, that just committed their summer to going uh, overseas. And then, of course, you know our worship leader uh, spent time in Thailand ministering. And so um, through your one-for-one one and through your seed, we were able to send and bless and see God do that work. And so we're going to take the time this morning to talk to some of those young people uh, about how that went and how God moved. And, and, uh, and it's through you. It is all through you. You're living out the gospel when God says, hey, be a people who go into the highways and byways and preach the gospel. Uh, not only are you sending, but I know you're also doing it in your own lives. And so um, we want to celebrate that this morning as a church because it's, it's to be celebrated. Amen. So the first family is the Miller family. They put together a little video and um, we're going to check it out here and, uh, and then we'll do some, some stuff after that. But go ahead and check out this uh, this recap from the Millers. Hi, I'm Deb Miller. And I'm Andrew Miller. And this summer we took a three weeks missions trip to the Philippines. It was so cool to be able to spend time with and encourage all the young people there. We first went up into the mountains where our mom actually lived for two years during high school. Our family has a long history with the Philippines and it was so great to be able to go there and continue to play our part in that long legacy in this amazing, beautiful country. We loved being able to spend time with young people from all over the Philippines. We got to hang out with youth groups, visit different families of churches that our grandparents and our parents had played a role in discipling. We even got to hang out with some students of a deaf school that our grandparents helped with. Another really impactful part of our trip was being able to go to an area of slums uh, where we got to spend time with some children who were actually in a flood danger zone and their lives were literally in danger every single day. We also visited an orphanage that our grandparents actually helped to establish. We got to play with the toddlers there and Uno with some of the older kids. Overall, we had a great trip and we thank you guys for all your support and prayers. Um, so that's Andrew, that's Deborah. Andrew, he's not with us this morning because he's already about a week away from a two-year trip. Uh, help me, Deborah, where? Nepal for two years. And so um, just going after God, believing for great things. Deborah's over here if you want to talk to her about any of this trip. And um, she could tell you more just about the families. Uh, orphanage they started and the different things happening. But um, that's legacy and that's what God, you know, has really called families to. And um, so we look at that video and you kind of say like, oh, that's nice. And you're like, no, that's the force that we need in the world. We need young people. The scripture says young and old coming together um, to really bring about what God wants to do in these last days. Amen. All right. When, next, won't you welcome up the Eikenberry boys coming up here, guys. You would notice these guys if you came really early. Um, they're out here setting up, putting up chairs, putting flags in the ground, getting everything set. And um, how I many you know that's also a miracle of God, teenagers here in the morning. And uh, 
true story about Wyatt. I came in this morning, um, and uh, literally, you know, he's here before the pastor, and I walk in, he's got a clipboard, he's training people what to do, and um, kind of makes you go, what's wrong with that kid, you know, <laughs> in a good way. You know, the Bible says signs and wonders. That's a sign and a wonder, like teenager here in the morning advancing the body of Christ. Are you with me? And uh, he's always been that way. So, uh, and then same thing, right, right behind him is his younger brother, Jared. And um, same thing, going after God, ch- chasing uh, the enemy out of all over the world. So I'll let you guys introduce yourself. I'll let you talk, and, um, and then we'll go from there. So introduce yourselves first, yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Wyatt, for those of you that don't know me. And um, this is my brother, Jared. Um, so uh, we just got back recently from uh, a couple mission trips. Um, preface, we were not on the same one. We actually were in different places in Europe, but... Um, Pretty much, I spent um, two weeks in Slovakia in a couple different um, camps. One of them was um, in the mountains in this town called Bojnica, um, and it was like a sports camp. It was really cool. I'll talk about that later. Um, and then after, and so I was there for about a week, and then I went to a different sports camp um, in a different town. It was a really small town. Um, got to work with a lot of youth there, and it was really cool. Um, and then after that, I flew over to Israel for about three weeks. I uh, got to spend about six days in the Galilee region and then um, around 10 days in Jerusalem. And yeah, so I'll talk about that in a little bit, but you'll get to hear about uh, Jared's trip right now. Um, I spent my first three, three weeks in Madrid and uh, I went all around Madrid, different places, uh, ministering to different people. And then for our last week, I went to Granada where I kind of debriefed and we had talked about our trip, and we were talking about like how to go on throughout our life. Yeah. Um, so it was uh, my trip. Um, it was through Royal Servants, and it's uh, called the Nehemiah trip, um, and it's pretty much our alumni trip. Um, those who have been on a Royal Servants mission trip before uh, get invited, and. Um, we kind of go out uh, through the summer with this lens of leadership and um, learning how to be leaders but also work with other leaders and how to be led as well Um, because those are all fundamental things of a leader and um, how to disciple to others. Um, And so our first week uh, in Slovakia, Bojnica, we were at this uh, sports camp, and it was actually a baseball camp. Uh, it's through Good Sports Industries, um, hosted by Tom Johnson. He's an ex-MLB pitcher for the Twins, um, but he started that up in Slovakia a long time ago. Um, and we just got to work with kids a lot, and it was super busy, but it was super fun, and we got to use sports um, and baseball as a platform for building relationships with people and loving on them and kind of being the hands and feet of Jesus and showing them who Jesus is through loving them um, because Jesus loves them so much more than we ever could. Um, so just loving on them as much as we possibly can gives a sliver of um, what Jesus' Jesus's love is like, right? Um Yeah, and so that was our first week, Um, super cool. And then we went to another really small town, um, and it's called Kozrosa. It's kind of at the foot of the mountains, really small, just a couple thousand people. Um, And it was another sports camp, and we were working with a lot of kids that were really young. And, um, you know, there's a language barrier there. There are, um, you know, everybody speaks Slovak, um, 
as they get older, they learn English, but uh, the really young kids don't know English at all. And so that was kind of tough, uh, that language barrier. Um, but we actually had coaches uh, that lived in that city that were there to kind of help us and stuff like that. And so I kind of um, built relationships with those coaches that were around like 10 to 15 years old and used um, like translating as a platform for um, loving on them and building relationships with the coaches. Um, and it was super cool. I got to work with, um, you know, a lot of young kids. I could I could see leadership and kind of the, the future of uh, that town in them. And it was super cool. I don't know if we have that slide up there. Um, yeah, in the top right, um, top right corner, that guy with the flowers in his hair, um, his name's Victor. He's about 15 years old, and um, he's just super cool. Uh, great leader and I could see a lot of potential in him and so you know it was a lot of getting creative and um really just like asking God like what do you want me to do here and how can I be present in all these people's lives and you know since language was such a barrier we were really able to pour into um the other coaches there and it was really cool very cool Jared what about you what are some of your big takeaways um so the first couple of days that we were in Spain, we helped out with the VBS. We taught kids like who God was and like his love for us. And um, after that, we would go on the streets every day and we would do performances. We would dance and then we would do a drama. And then like while we were doing the drama, we'd have the dance crew go out and talk to the people and like ask them what their thoughts on. That's your dance group up there? It is. Okay. There's only one good-looking guy up there, though. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> so tell us about that, Jared. <laughs> um, because when you go on a mission trip, it is about being humble and being willing to <laughs> serve. So as they're, put, as they're putting the team together, you get this opportunity to be on the dance team, mm-hmm. and all your dreams came true, right? Or no? All of them. Mm-hmm. Because you're a hunter and a man's man. <laughs> And so this opportunity comes up, and, and you respond. What? How, yeah, you said what? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of setting you up to be like, if it's your will, Lord, whatever you need me to do. <laughs> but that's really what you did, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you um, joined the dance team. Yeah. Well, I was initially going to be on the drama team, but we need another person for the dance team. So I figured I'd join. <laughs> um, but I really loved being on the dance team. It really, like... Um, I had to focus on like um, team teamwork, and uh, we had to learn all the dances in a week, less than a week actually. And we had to perfect them, and we had to dance every day. So we got really good at it. And I just remember like on our like while we were first learning them, um, like whenever we would learn one, everyone would, like get super excited and like high five each other. And I just really felt like I was in a very strong Christian family that I experienced at home, and it really helped me throughout the trip. Yeah. So two things. Uh, Tell me why a young person your age in the summertime in Grand Haven would leave the beach, would leave everything to go do this. What motivated you to take the trip? And then, yeah, give me just your best God moment, and then we'll turn it over to Wyatt to close. But give me those two things. What really called you into it? Tell me how that came about, and then tell me your biggest God moments. Um, I think what really made me want to do it is after I saw Wyatt do it the year before, I saw how great that was, and he told me about it, and I was just really amazed about the 
learning and all the things that he experienced. So I really wanted that for myself. And so I also wanted to like preach to other people and spread the word of God to other people because I know that there's not too, like there's not everyone has the experiences that I do in a church like this to go to every Sunday. And um, I think the biggest like thing that happened uh, on my trip was uh, like every day from the metro when we were walking home there was like this group of people that were always like harassing us and um, were always like telling our girls to like come over by them and like hang out with them and one of the days actually one of the people tried to trip me and I, don't know, I just kind of like laughed it off but on the last day that we were there um, a couple of us guys we went over and we talked to them and we shared our faith with them and we don't know whether they accept it or not, because they didn't accept right then. But um, they all took these little pamphlets that explained who God was and how to accept him. So, Good job, buddy. Proud of you. Wyatt, you did it two times. You had summer break. You were old enough to drive. It's Grand Haven, the beach. And you could decide to go on another mission trip. Tell us what motivated you. Yeah. Um, so you guys ever wake up on a Sunday morning kind of like this and are just like, in bed and you're like i really don't want to get up and go don't Um, answer that yeah don't answer that (laughs) it should no you never experienced that well um it was a lot like that and when i was younger um if i would wake up on a sunday morning and um i just didn't want to go to church and i was complaining to my mom or something like that she would be like oh you don't want to go well that's a really good sign that you need to go um and i'm gonna be honest like i did i signed up for this trip um in January or so and you know getting closer to the summer I was like oh my gosh I'm exhausted from the school year I do not want to go like I'm okay with not traveling this summer and I'm okay with like having a chill summer I'll go to the beach and just like you know um lay low for a while I, I like I need this break and so I was rationalizing so much um and after a lot of talking with my mentor and my parents um and a lot of praying it was like God's opened these doors for me um and although rationally in my mind, like it makes total sense to not go and to skip out, um, like I need to be there because that's where God wants me and that's where he's calling me. And so I got to be obedient to that. Um, and I am so glad that I was obedient because God broke me down and he rebuilt me in so many ways. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. I wouldn't trade that for, you know, a summer at the beach or anything like that because God provides if you're when you're obedient and like that's so amazing to be able to experience. That's good, buddy. Proud of you. What would you say was your biggest God moment there that you you want to share during the trip? You know, um, so in my second week at uh, in Slovakia, we were at that camp, you know, and um, there was this group of coaches. They were like twelve to thirteen years old. It was a group of young guys and. Um, they were, uh, pretty disobedient and, um, kind of wondering why they were in that position of like coaching those younger kids. Cause they, um, you know, weren't really being leaders and they weren't showing that. Um, and one of our, uh, senior staff had like talked to them a bunch and stuff like that. And I remember sitting next to one of my, um, one of the girls on my team and I was like, man, I'm so glad I'm not, um. Andrew, he's our trip leader. I'm so glad I'm not him because I don't have to deal with that. And, like, I don't have the patience for that. And is immediately when I said that, I could hear God going, oh, 
Okay. Yeah, I, I get you. Um, and so then it was like crazy. I was like, no, actually, I, I could hear God. He was like, you're going to go talk to them. And like, you're going to be present in their lives. Um, and I was like, I don't have the patience for this. Like, why am I, why me? Um, but so I just like kind of sat there and prayed about it for a while. And then the next morning I um, pulled them out of the camp and um, talked to them about um, leadership and about how, um, you know, I could see them being the future of this small town and they're going to be leading kids someday and they're going to be people looking up to them whether they want to or not. And, um, you know, it was actually a pretty good turnout. Like they were, I was able to hang out with them, uh, for the rest of the time that we were there and we actually got pretty close. And so I really got to see, uh, God working in that and his provision and him showing like, this might suck right now, but you're being obedient, and I got this. Like, just be obedient. And so it was really cool to be able to experience. Amen. Right on. Good up for these guys. So well done. And have a seat. We'll have Maddie come forward. I went to Thailand for about two weeks this summer. Um, and right in Chiang Mai, we were supposed to go to Bangkok, and just plans fell through with that. Um, and it's such a God thing that we ended up where we were. Um, so we stayed in a hostel literally one street over from the red light district um, called Loy Crow. And you saw it during the day. There's nothing going on. It literally, there's no one on the streets. All the stores are closed. But at about 5 o'clock at night, everything opens up, and it's what it looked like at the end there. And it's insane because when you walk through it, you don't have another response but to pray, but to worship. Because the heaviness and the weight of it, I'm totally going to start bawling. Um, You just feel it. And you know that... Only God can change this situation. That a city that's been written off, a city that's been told, your time is done, there's no hope, um, that we have the opportunity to come and show God in that situation. Um, So a little bit of background on Thailand because it sheds so much light on it. Thailand is a Buddhist country. um, And what's very interesting about Thailand is there is no God. So we think that in Buddhism, Buddha is God, and that's not how it is. Buddha is a man, and he's a teacher, and so there's no concept of God. So when you're talking to these people, there is no perception of heaven or hell or God like we have. It's actually almost unfathomable. Um, And so that dictates how they live, because we have our moral compass because of God. And so the cycle with trafficking there, it's insane how it feeds Um, the parents, a lot of the time they know what their daughters are going to do. Um, they know that they're going to essentially prostitute themselves out. Um, but that's the only way that the family gets to eat. That's it. And so there's this dependency there. Um, it's also a rite of passage to send your boys when they're about 13, 14 years old to go visit one of the massage parlors or things like that. And so it's this cycle that we see and they have this attitude of hopelessness there because they just believe that if we can get through, if I can get through this life and do the best I can at the job I've been given, then I'll come back as something better. And so what's absolutely incredible, though, is that there's people like Agape Home um, and Avis who started it, who are starting these orphanages to take in these kids who are essentially victims of trafficking. Their mom got pregnant or their dad left because of it, And they're taking in these kids and they're teaching them who they are as sons and as daughters of God. And they're baptizing them and teaching them how to worship and teaching them how to pray. 
because that's where the change is going to come in Chiang Mai. And so it was incredible to partner alongside them. Uh, so during our days, we went to the orphanage and we spent about eight hours there with these kids hanging out and worshiping. Um, and I got to lead worship with them and for them and learn some Thai worship songs, which are really difficult. <laughs> um, but I got to learn that. And then we'd come back. We'd spend about two hours as a team in worship and we'd pray and then we'd go pray along the street. And then we would just hang out with these women in the bars and we would just get to know them. Um, and essentially you are just trying to spend whatever time you can with them before they're told by their boss that you need to go find someone who will pay. You need, and you're just trying to invest. So, I mean, that's the lawlessness that the scripture talks about in the end time. Void of hope, void of everything, because of the lawlessness. They don't, there's no compass, Matt, I used the word. And it's like that's all their life is. And so that's what's amazing about these orphanages is it's saying, hey, we're stopping this cycle. We're committing our lives to re redirecting from what's acceptable and what they're saying, this is the only way. We're over here, of course, using the gospel saying this is the only way. And, uh, and it's literally, think about that, transforming what Maddie was saying, a nation that's basically accepted their forgottenness. They've been forgotten by other worlds. Been, it's like that's what it is. And, um, and there's these ministries coming in. Now, what I love about Maddie is um, she just got engaged. Many of you know that. I won't spend too much time on that because she hates it. But... Here's a girl who could have planned her summer, you know, taking the summer to plan her wedding and do all that stuff. And, and she's coming into my office like, hey, I'm going to be gone here because we got a, a hostel right next to the red light district. I'm going to be gone for two. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and honestly, in my mind, you're even going like, is that a good idea? Should we even be sending a young person? Isn't it funny how we even almost have that thought about those areas? Let's probably avoid that, right? Yeah. And like just a rebuke in my heart because... No, you, you can't say, oh, we need to avoid that. We need to be careful. No, we need to do what they're doing. Go in there and rescue them. And, um, and so just so great on her, again, you know, to just commit her summer when she could have done everything else for herself, just like the other boys. It would have been totally acceptable. Uh, but instead saying, like, no, I'm following God into this. And um, pretty amazing things. Anything else you wanted to hit in that? Okay. So I'm going to spill a little bit more of her beans with two minutes left. So she came back saying, hey, we, her and Ben, decided that we're going to commit all of our wedding gifts to funding an orphanage in Thailand. And I'm like, no, have you been to Bed Bath & Beyond? They have cool things there. <laughs> like, I don't, they have gadgets that, are you going <laughs> to, and uh, she said, no, it's really on our heart that we just want to receive gifts um, and turn it all back over to there because like what we saw with the Millers, Maddie doesn't want to take one trip. Maddie doesn't, and Ben, they don't want to just do one trip and come back and give a testimony. They want to give their lives to seeing God transform that area. And so um, that's what you're going to see coming. For those of you that don't know Maddie, you hear me tease about her all the time, um, you know, that she's odd. You know, so she's our favorite odd little, like, where's Maddie? Where are we? And, um, and so, of course, that means... Um, she, they're going to have an odd wedding. They're running off to Portland, and, um, and they're going to have a wedding in Portland. And um, neither of them are from Portland. They've been, Maddie went to Portland and fell in love with the gray and the cloudiness. And the, gorgeous. And the rocks. She's yeah. come back like, oh, you got to go there. It's so amazing. What's amazing about it? Well, just rocks and gray. 
anyway, I'm bringing all that up to say this is um, they're going to have a destination wedding, uh, but you are going to have the opportunity. And again, I'm not trying to like sell anything for her or whatever, but if you're moved at all in your heart, you're going to have the opportunity, uh, even though their wedding is going to be away, you're going to have the opportunity to be able to gift into this orphanage that they're going to do through their wedding. And um, you'll hear more about it coming up, but just so amazing um, to see again, a, a generation that I've read probably hundreds of hours worth of articles that say, oh, generation millennials, they're the worst generation. So you all with me? You've heard those. The next generation after them, the generation of mad, they're not going to do anything. They're just mad. They have no care. They have no... And then we just had a lineup of that generation saying, I'm going to be present in their life. I'm going to devote... Uh, A season of what should be an American advancement. My wedding, my da-da-da, make it about me. Some of y'all have TLC. You know the glam weddings. What are they called? I don't know what they're called. Everybody say yes to the dress. Make it all about me. I don't know what they are. John was on one when he got married, but <laughs> I needed the humor break, John. Thank you for being the closest person near me. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I think you were with me. Yeah, yeah, we were there. Oh, man. I guess all I'm trying to say is just we're seeing the end time scripture of the young men, young women, dream dreams, the old men. It's all coming together in the way that it's been prophesied. And I don't care what articles are put out. I don't care what they say about a generation or this or that. God's on the move and he's doing something different. And we get to be an incredible part of that. Amen. And the way that you've sown into missions and the way that you've supported it, you are a part of it. And we're going to see God do amazing things through it. And, um, I just love not being a boring old, same old four walls church. We actually get to get out and see God move. Amen.